right, uh, here we go back for episode 30 of The Used Gamers. Uh, this is Jared hosting tonight. Uh, with me is Chris. Hi. Um, Mike is unavailable because he broke his car or something like that. More life things. Life is happening. So, um, we had such a long hiatus last time. Um, we're going to just do a couple games and get in a, a short, maybe, episode um, in here quick. So we just got some games to talk about, and the first one uh, Chris got was The Swapper, which was a PS Plus free game? Yeah, I think it's uh, right. one of the first ones of the year. The first ones of the year, January game. Yeah. So, yeah, now that we all have PS4s, we all have the PS Plus memberships, so we can play multiplayer and we get the bonus of the free games. So uh, this year's selection for PS4 is uh, The First Light, the expansion for Infamous Second Son, and um, The Swapper, which is a game that I have on PC. It's one of my like, random Steam games that I bought for almost no money and didn't end up playing because my, <laughs> my computer isn't actually good enough to play any of the games I own. But um, So uh, this is one of the titles. One of the things that's really cool that I like about PS Plus is that a lot of the titles that they're releasing now are either... Um, they're sort of cross-platform. So mm-hmm. like I think that game, I'm pretty sure... Uh, you got it on PS4, PS3, and PS Vita? I don't know about PS3 for sure, but it definitely is for Vita and for PS4. And um, so I've been able to play with the cross-save cloud sync functionality. So mm-hmm. it's the it just like they sort of promised in the commercials in the olden days, was, you know, you kind of playing your game at home and, oh, I gotta go do something cool outside and just pick up your portable and play right from where you left off, which is kind of, you know, I think that was the one of the original promises of the PSP, which they never really made good on. Um, uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it totally works. So the, the basic idea behind the swapper is um, it's a, a puzzle game, essentially. It's puzzle platformer. Um, the best way I can think to describe it is if you were to mash uh, Metroid with Portal. So it's Which very popular. Awesome. Yeah, two good things, right? Right. Chocolate and peanut butter put together. Um, yeah. So the the basic premise of it is that you're sort of it's a it's a game that like Metroid is this weird sort of creepy isolated uh, lonely space game where you're essentially this astronaut character who's sort of in this place where something bad has happened and you're not sure what and you need to kind of figure out what happened. Um, and the the basic mechanic of the game, where the portally part of it comes in, is the fact that your character has the ability to clone yourself. So, um, Like you do. You Like you do, when you're in space. <laughs> Why not? Um, but the essential idea is that uh, you have this, this swapper gun. I think the, the actual item that you have is called the swapper. So um, you, it does one of two things. The same way that your portal gun would open a blue portal or an orange portal, this gun does two things too. Uh, one thing it can do is it allows you to clone yourself. So you, while running around with the left stick, you use the right stick to kind of aim the gun. It's a 2D game, so that's another sort of Metroid-y thing. Um, And you use the stick to aim sort of where your gun is aimed. Uh, Pinpoint exactly where you want the clone to show up, so you can kind of shoot him all over the level. So sort of make him appear high, low, wherever you want to. That becomes really important because there's triggers that are all over the place. So it's it's like a puzzle in a Zelda game, Mm -hmm. or even God of War and Tomb Raider had stuff sort of like that in different places. But, um, you can clone yourself, I think, up to four times. You can have five characters on the screen, uh, which can get a little bit hectic. And then every character that's on the screen at one time 
has they all move in unison. So if you had three guys lined up next to each other, you push left on the left stick, they all go left. You jump, they all jump. You duck, they all duck. So oh, that's definitely a big part of figuring out how the puzzles are solved. Um, because sometimes it's as simple as having to, well, you know, I need, somebody needs to stand on a trigger over here and two triggers over here, so you just stop one guy, two guys, three guys, all the button, you know, and then the puzzle sort of unlocks. And once it unlocks, your guys can kind of go away. Um, and... Uh, so that's the one part of it is making clones of yourself. The other part of it is that um, you can sort of shift player control amongst all the clones. So I think the idea in the literature of the or the, the lore of the game is that you're you're sort of swapping your soul, like whatever it is about you, into the bodies of these clones. So you know you have the one that's kind of the, I, I think the way the game works is it's a, a little. It's the character model's a little highlighted, like it's a little lighter than the other ones on screen. Mm -hmm. So you know, okay, this is the one I'm kind of focused on right now. And that's important because uh, with all the traps and pits and other things in the game, any of your clones can fall, die, disappear, doesn't matter. As long as the, the player character character doesn't fall into a pit and die or break its neck or get crushed by something. And uh, if one of your clones dies, you just are sort of given a new uh, ammo clip into your little clone reservoir. So, you know, there's this little icon in the bottom of the screen that says, you know, you've got four guys to spend here. And if you, you know, use two of them, then one of them dies. Hey, you get a third guy you can reuse again now. And swapping between characters becomes important because uh, just like how Portal 2 added a bunch of weird stuff where... You know, now you can slide really fast or jump really high and sort of added little elements to the sort of go in one hole, come out the other thing. Um, <clears throat> what this adjustment lets you do is uh, different parts of the level uh, will be bathed in different color lights. So some color light you can't shoot a clone through, but you can shoot your consciousness through if there's already a clone there. And some other color lights, like you can make the clone appear in that area, but you can't swap to actually take control of that clone. So it gets real mind-bendy real, real fast. <laughs> and um, I was talking with another person who I know had played through the game before on Twitter, and I, I had looked up, uh, just sort of as a general idea for myself, about how long I might expect to need to invest into this game. Uh, because as I've talked about many times on this game, on this show, uh, I, I really like games that are sort of concise experiences, so... Five hours, eight hours, ten hours, as opposed to something that might be 60 hours worth of, you know, a lot of fetchy side questy type stuff. Which, 60 hours can be great in some games, but I don't have that much time to play games all the time. So, And this website, uh, which I really like, is called HowLongToBeat.com. If anybody ever wants to look up a game and see about how long it should take to beat it, go to HowLongToBeat.com. Unofficial sponsors of the podcast. Um, and and this, this site said that this game should take five hours to beat. And I immediately called BS on that. I was like, there is no way. Because it, like a Metroid game, uh, in order to sort of make your way around this whole station, you're, you're gated by certain areas that you can and can't have access to. And the way that you get access is to gain, to get these orbs that are scattered throughout the world. And you get the orbs by solving the puzzles. So you might get to a place where it says, well, you can't go into this area until you have 25 orbs. Mm -hmm. So they have to look at all the other areas on the map you haven't explored yet. And it's not really complicated. It basically tells you exactly where you can and can't go um, until you get a ridiculous amount of orbs by the end of the game. Um, I will say that, I, like Portal, 
or a game like Limbo or any game that's very puzzle heavy, there's a lot of satisfaction in figuring out, you know, when, when you get that unlock and you kind of have that aha moment of like, oh yeah, I figured it out. And then you, you actually pull it off. That's pretty cool. But then there's also that thing where you just feel like you're beating your head against a concrete wall for like, I just feel dumb for not figuring this out. So I think I probably made it about 75% of the game in until I was like, I gotta look up a solution to this one. And uh, most of the time I kind of was on the right track. I sort of knew basically what I needed to do, but it might be like a crazy implementation of it. Like, mm-hmm. oh, really? I was supposed to do this over and over and over and over again? So it's it's a devious game. So definitely much more difficult than either of the two Portal games. I never felt like those games were too difficult, and they always made you feel smart, because you could kind of figure out, yeah. you know, what, what, where, you know, you kind of say, oh, I kind of get it. But some of these, I was just completely stumped. I'd look at it and go, this is impossible. And, um, but the nice thing is, all the mechanics of the game are, are in place right away. So I never, you know, you basically know, like, here are the four things I can do. I don't have to worry about gaining new abilities that are going to make it more complicated. Like, you knew right from the beginning what you can and can't do. They just progressively made it more and more right. and more difficult. Again, so much like Portal. A- exactly. And the puzzly part of it is really cool, but one of the other things I really, really liked about this game a lot was um, the, the art style and the sound design. So I think I had read, and I could be totally wrong about this, but this game was designed... It's one of those games that was made by, like, one person or, like, you know, two people. Very small studio. I can't remember what their name is. But um, I think that the actual art design was created by... The character models in the backgrounds are actually constructed out of photographs. Basically, photograph collages that whoever the art designer for the game, like... You know, if they wanted to have the model of a big rock... So they'd, like, get online, like, Google images of big rocks and then kind of mash them all together to sort of form a composite image. Mm-hmm. And that's... It, so, and it's really bizarre. So it kind of looks like stop-motion animation. It moves really fluidly. It's super creepy, super dark. It reminded me a lot of, of Alien or, uh, like, Dead Space, something like that, where it's mm-hmm. just really dark and really spooky. Nobody else around. Eventually some other characters kind of show up. Um, and the, the music is awesome. The music is super ambient, super creepy, very minimalist. It, it could be the kind of thing that would not be out of place in any, like, big, spacey kind of movie. Like, a really, really great soundtrack. Got kind of a weird, twisty ending. You have a choice to make at the end. I won't say any more than that. Um, but it's very, very cool. And, you know, if you have a PlayStation system right now and you play multiplayer, then... You have this game. So if any of that stuff's interesting to you, I, I definitely suggest people check it out. It's been out for a while on PC, but it's pretty new to the to PlayStation uh, ecosystem. Uh, so very fun. Again, I think you have to be in the right mindset to kind of play this game, and it's not something that you just want to jump into in a whim. Um, but it is a kind of game that if you if you like any of that puzzly type stuff, it's a game you could probably chip away at for a long time. And just, you know, when you've got 30 minutes here or there and you don't know what else to play... You got it digitally on your system. Pull it up, play with right. it for a little while, and yeah, just put it away. So, I recommend it. Well, that sounds cool. It sounds brain injury, but um, kind of cool. Yeah, you know, I'm feeling Mike will have no interest in that game. Yeah, we said Portal like seven times, so. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, that's pretty neat. Yeah, so, no, no dialogue wheels. Um, yeah. So, um, uh, one of the things I was looking to do was. Um, explore some of the games I missed on PS3 as we were, I was coming up to getting a PS4, and I didn't get a lot of opportunity to actually do that, because I was probably playing Destiny, <laughs> but um, I did get to do it with one, one title that was on all the lists that I would see of the 
what you probably missed games. And I played through uh, Brutal Legend, which in somehow, for whatever reason, completely normal Double Fine fashion, Double Fine's mm. the company that made it, was this amazing game that no one played. <laughs> I, I don't know why that keeps happening. Mm. You know, they make these games that are phenomenal, and somehow no one plays them. Um, so, and I hadn't either. I hadn't either. This game is many years old. Yeah. And, uh, but I played it, and I really liked it. And it's, it starts, it's, um, there's a main character, his name is Eddie Riggs, and he's voiced by Jack Black, which is really fun. Um, (laughs) I think he's hilarious. And the first thing that happens is he's a roadie for this, what you would call, it's set up like it's a metal band, but then they end up singing this, like, really poppy Terrible. Yeah, isn't like a weird like like new, new metal. Yeah. yeah, and like he's like lamenting like this is his life now, <laughs> and he goes out literally on a limb because one of them those metal rockers is doing something dumb and almost dies, and he ends up getting killed in trying to save in trying to save life. him, and as he's bleeding to death, his blood goes into this weird belt buckle he has that has this weird face. It lights up all of a sudden. This huge monstrous. Chrome creature comes out, grabs him, and then fade to black, come out. He's in a world that is metal. And I don't mean iron and steel. I mean, if you've ever seen the cover art or the back of many heavy metal albums. Like a Judas Priest album. There's this style that's like chrome and skulls and swords and Fire, Fire. <laughs> That's what I was and lava, and it's just it's just this this you know it's metal. That's what that is, you know, and that's that's in many of the specifics you would use to define that, but it's more than that. And this is the entire world. The world is this heavy metal world. Everything in this world is defined by heavy metal. You know, he has his weapon is an axe, and his other weapon is an axe. Yeah. And one, though, is his guitar, and one is an enormous axe. Yeah. You know, and the guitar does long-range attacks, and the, the axe does short-range. And, and, and the, the mechanics of fighting are pretty simple. It's pretty button-mashy. Um, and, and, and you get, as you you can kind of level up, you can get some combos and stuff. And it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty satisfying, if not simple, um, gameplay. And you just kind of have to work your way through this world of, like, heavy metal, trying to kind of help them solve their problems. Because this world's kind of getting taken over by... Like hair bands is that like? Is oh, kind so of that's actually way. like a okay. I'm like, what was this? It, it story? doesn't translate exactly, but like, like the main bad guy looks like a glam rocker from the '80s, like okay. long hair, really effeminate, like wearing makeup and stuff, like those really bad things that happened to rock for a while. <laughs> Some good music came out of that, I guess. But anyway, um, and that so they're they're trying to take back their world, right? He's kind of enslaved a lot of these people, and and you're you're fighting with these like heavy metal freedom fighters. So so you're to make so, the world rock again. So you're basically, basically it's like it's like uh, like warrant and poison versus like uh, Megadeth and Motorhead or something yes, like that. Yes. Okay. Okay. I can kind and, of get that. Um, and there's a lot. So it's really fun. You know, the humor's there with Jack Black and and all the, these references. You know, I mean, imagine what he just said. That conflict is hilarious in itself, right? right. And then um, it combines that gameplay with this like really like kind of tower to. Not even tower defense. It's like a real time strategy. See, I didn't Almost. understand. So what happens is you have these. Re- you, so you have what happens is you'll have what are called stage battles, 
where you have your, you build up a stage because you get these roadies who can do everything immediately, and they build up a stage near these um, piles that look that look like souls, but they're actually just fans. Mm-hmm. So you build merch booths over them to please <laughs> them, and then you can you can use the there. It's basically a resource tower though. Oh, okay. It builds up points, and you can use to summon different kinds of units. And you you take those units with your main character, and you go attack their resource towers in their base. That's about it. And you try and destroy their base. And there's a variety of different types of units. There's just kind of ground unit grunts, and there's um, these girl rockers that are, have guitars and do range attacks. And there's these guys. You kind of unlock all these characters in the storyline mm-hmm. um, by like freeing them from the, the 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 kind of the evil bad bad rockers. And um, you know, and kind of once you do that, then you have them to fight with as you go along. So it builds it up slowly. As you gain these different units, and then you get this one unit at the end. This is like enormous vehicle of annihilation. That's cool, and <laughs> and so and those are intermittent. They're they're set pieces, but they're intermittent within them. You know, so you hit a point and you kind of do this battle, and if you win, you can you kind of unlock the next area and moving forward and things like that. Is it kind of integrated into the story of the game, or does it just sort of it cut is, and now you jump over? It, it is ish. <laughs> you know, like it's. I mean, there's a reason you you're you're often trying to get through this certain area that's like a fortress or something and this is how you're you know maybe busting down the gates and things like that right it's integrated pretty loosely because that was the basis for the multiplayer which i didn't get to play really because no one's playing this game anymore but that was the long part but but it was integrated certainly into the single player (laughs) and um, it was a lot of fun one of the other things that's really cool and maybe this is part of the reason they bomb in this game is um your car you get you build a car almost right away that you can drive around because the world is pretty big there's actually um, between missions, there's a pretty open world aspect of this for where you want to go for missions, and you traverse it largely in your car, which you can summon by playing the right thing on your guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, and the amount of heavy metal music that they have licensed for this game mm-hmm. is outrageous. <laughs> it's outrageous. It's like 40, 50 songs Jeez. that you can, of any metal band you can imagine. You know, anything, like, things like you named, like, Megadeth and stuff. They have Dragon Force. They have all, all <laughs> kinds of stuff. And um, and that's really fun because you just listen to all this, you know, you're listening to metals, you're driving around, and everything's funny. And, wow, I, I, why did this game get missed? I don't know. I missed it, too. It was phenomenally fun. I mean, the gameplay mechanics were pretty simple. It's But encompassing of all of it in this game, I loved this game. It was awesome. Hmm. It was super fun. Just super fun to play through. And not too, too terribly long. 20 hours, you know. Maybe oh, okay. less. Maybe less. Not a super long game. Right. Uh, there's a lot I could have done I didn't do, because there's some, like... Side questy go, stuff. Yeah, side questy stuff. And I didn't do a fair amount of that. I didn't do a ton of that. I did a little bit of it. So there's definitely a lot of the game I didn't access by not doing side quests, but... If you did miss it like me, too, I, I highly recommend it. I highly recommend well, it. Well, I'm wondering, too, now, I feel like... This it might be like one of those games. There was this weird point, and I think we talked about it on the show, where um, the two major console networks, you know, Xbox Live and PSN, started to have these. I don't know what to say. Uh, I, I I think I I think of it as like Steam like sales, where yeah. you know every now and again, like you could you know there was the thing where when when you would get those download games, it would be smaller games like you know like Shadow Complex or something like that. And then, or, or trials, like games that you just couldn't mm-hmm. get. And then they started, you know, releasing retail games like digitally, which we didn't really buy because we didn't didn't really have the hard drive space. Right. And yeah. it was important for us to do stuff like be able to loan the games to our friends and stuff like that. But then they started being, and I feel like it was Xbox that did it first. 
And then PlayStation, I remember noticing it after I had the PS Plus membership. But you could get games for, like, like legitimate retail release games for, like, $3, $5. And I, I'm wondering now, as you're saying this, if this might not be a game that I might have bought, like, on a crazy sale and just yeah. kind of did a thing where I'm, like, cue it to download knowing I had no space to download it. But now, like... Oh, maybe someday I can go back and play it. So I'm gonna have to check that out now. Yeah, I mean, I got it on the discount rack for like eight bucks. I was saying, and if you went to go find a copy, unbelievable price, but yeah. you can find that at probably any GameStop. Huh. I think I ran across it at Target and went, "Oh, great!" And I bought it years ago and still didn't even play it. Right. It was my very small shame pile of posters, <laughs> which is enormous. Um, so yeah, I, but yeah, if you have it, check it. Or oh, you can borrow from me. Of course. Well, that's cool. That's the, that's kind of the same reason I played through Mirror's Edge. And you're right. It, when those lists came out, there were definitely like. What was it? Uh, Enslaved, Odyssey to the West, or Metro 2033, or Brutal Legend. I remember mm-hmm. there were definitely these, like, ten games that kind of kept coming up, so maybe we'll have to explore some more of those, too. That, that yeah, cool. I think I'd I like, like to. Idea. You know, I got... I, I want to get to it at some point. I haven't put it in yet, but um, I got Max Payne 3 also. Right. Which I remember really wanted to play, and uh, so I'm hoping to get to that, too. And, you know, we'll... We are still the use Yeah, man, don't, don't think we've changed. That's right, we <laughs> So I thought it was great. So I thought it was really good. <laughs> so from that, we're going to move on to a very new game instead, because we do it all, <laughs> yeah. is, um, which I'm excited to hear about, because a lot of people banded this around as quality game of the year for last year. Mm-hmm. You know, it was that level. So um, you got to play through Shadows of Mordor. Yes. And I, I'm, uh, tell me about this. Yeah. So, okay. So we talked about it just really briefly. Uh, our, our, it was interesting for us to do our, our wrap-up of 2014 with some games that we had Played, sometimes beaten, but hadn't talked about it on the show yet, just because yeah. we hadn't recorded in a while. So, um, yeah, so the first game that I played through is my first complete playthrough of on the new-gen systems was uh, Middle-Earth Shadows of Mordor. This was a game that, um, I I don't know, I mean, we, I know Mike had talked it up pretty frequently over the course of the last year, yeah. and that sounded, you know, okay. I think there was a couple big cover stories in magazines about it. I, you know, interesting. Cool uh, semantics. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, I will say, going back a little while, there was, there was a, there were a few uh, Lord of the Rings games that came out on, like, PS2 and Xbox that I really liked a lot. There was a Two Towers game, and then there was Return of the King was a sequel, and they, you know, I, I, they integrated, like, footage from the movies into, like, gameplay. I really thought they were really fun, but there's that whole thing where, you know, games that follow licenses a lot of times are pretty terrible, yeah. so when I heard about this, that it wasn't even, I remember thinking there was a hesitancy in my mind that, like, why don't they even put the Lord of the Rings name on this game? Like, it's called Middle-Earth Shadows of Mordor. Is there mm-hmm. some weird thing where they can't license it. So, whatever. But um, but at, right around the time of uh, when I acquired the system, the game was on a ridiculous sale around Black Friday, so I think I got it for less than half of what it normally costs. And, um, and it was fantastic. So the basic idea, and I told Jared, I'm not really certain of the chronology, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it falls in the area between The Hobbit and the trilogy. So that's kind of the time frame of when the story takes place. But uh, you play a character who's a ranger, called Celebrimbor. I believe that's his name. I might be thinking of the other character. I think I'm thinking of the other character. can't remember the name of the main character now. Um, But uh, you're basically tasked with, uh, I guess, solving a mystery. So it's... I don't think it's much of a uh, spoiler because it becomes really an important part of the gameplay to say that uh, your character is killed right at the beginning of the game. 
And um, so similar to Brutal Engine. I guess that's a common yeah. threat. Um, <laughs> yeah, your, your family is killed in front of you. You are killed and left for dead, blah, blah, blah. Well, but you're killed, but you're not dead. So how does that work out? What's going on here? Uh, so you, you kind of come back, and you don't really know what's going on, and you're sort of uh, faced with uh, sharing your body with this spirit, whose name is Celebrimbor, I'm remembering now. Your name is Talion. That's the main character. Voiced by Troy Baker, who does all the voices. Yeah! <laughs> Again, did a fantastic job, man. That guy is amazing. Um, so, you have this wraith that's kind of possessing your physical form, so there's a little bit of a, a back and forth, what's this ghost doing inside me, sort of thing. Um... So you're trying to figure out what happened to your family and trying to figure out how to avenge their death. He's trying to figure out why he's a ghost stuck in your body and how he got there and what's going on. So so a couple of different things are happening. So you're trying to figure out the, your mystery. You're trying to help him solve his mystery because what choice do you have? He's in your body. So, um, so it's kind of cool, and he doesn't really remember a lot of his past, but... Um, but as the game continues, you kind of start to find out that he's got um, he's got a connection to the Ring Wraiths, and he's got some connections to Sauron um, and to the way that the Ring was forged, the One Ring. So it's, so it's pretty cool because it does you know get into the sort of the, the the lore that forms the backbone of all that stuff. So if you have any kind of interest in the books or even stuff like the Cimmerillion or just the movies, I mean it, it definitely is in the style of the films. So the all the enemies look like the enemies look like in the films. That's cool. Uh, Gollum Smeagol shows up with, with... It's not Andy Serkis doing his uh, voice, but it's somebody who sounds exactly like him. Good. Um, so he's in some of the missions, so that's kind of fan service-y type stuff. So it feels right, like it's in that world. Um, and the story is, is pretty cool, I guess. You kind of go through and... But at the end of it, I kind of had to, like, take a step back because it had what I think was supposed to be kind of a, like, not a twist ending, but like a, whoa, I can't believe this revelation that now changes the way I look at everything in Lord of the Rings. But I didn't really kind of make that connection. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I guess it sort of makes sense. And, but <laughs> but the real winner here is um, what we talked about in the last episode, which is the Nemesis system. Yes. So, <clears throat> which you will only get on the new-gen systems. I played this on PS4. And um, the Nemesis system, I don't think, figures into the Xbox 360 or PS3 versions of the game. So the basic idea is that um, this world is overrun by evil. So it's, you know, you're, you're not up against the end of the reign of men the way you are in Lord of the Rings, but things are not happy the way they were kind of at the beginning of The Hobbit. So the world is a pretty terrible place, and it's kind of basically overrun by the armies of Sauron and Saruman and, you know, the orcs and Urukai are all over the place. So the way that this game structures combat is exactly like the Arkham games. So, if you like the way fighting worked in Arkham City and Arkham Asylum, and if you don't, you're dumb, because it was great. Yeah, it's really smooth fighting <laughs> it's like, system. It's like the best fighting system right. ever. Like, it's, it's kind of this, like, jockeying back and forth with, like, the Assassin's Creed games and the Arkham games for, like, who got smooth, like, f- I'm fighting an army, like, yeah. but feels realistic sort of way. Right, well, it's and that counter system within the attack system. I exactly. Where if you, so strong for them. Once you learn how to string that stuff together, you're sort of this, in this endless flow of battle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which I will say, I was able to pick up a little bit more clearly in this game than I felt like I was in some of the Assassin's Creed titles. But those games, there were little tweaks and changes, so this just felt exactly like playing a Batman game. Sweet. Um 
So that's cool, and, and the combat looks great. The game is gorgeous. Um, but the basic idea is that every enemy, every orc in this world, has a, an individual personality. He's got a story, he's got a name, and he's got a rank within their society. So you have this sort of chessboard that's accessible through your inventory screen that kind of shows you you know, where the diff- where the leadership hierarchy is depending on what part of the world you're in. So at the top of the food chain, there's always four war chiefs. And then with that, with underneath them, they've got their generals and their veteran generals and underneath them, their sergeants. And I, it kind of goes, you know, five or six layers deep. And the whole idea is that, you know, these are not only bad guys because they're not on your side, but they're bad because they're just terrible, and they don't really even have many alliances to one another. Mm-hmm. They're always jockeying for position. They're always trying to figure out how to gain favor with more powerful generals and undermine the others because they're just they're nasty, horrible creatures, right? But they're not just sort of mindless drone bad guys. I mean, they all kind of have these little personalities. And um, so the idea is that as you're traveling throughout the game, killing all these nameless enemies... There'll also be these named enemies that kind of show up, and there's like a little icon over their head, so you can kind of click on, right click on the stick, and it sort of zooms in on them, and you can learn a little bit about them. Uh So the idea is, as you kind of make your way through the ranks and sort of kill these various leaders, other orcs will take over their positions in the hierarchy. So if you were to take out a high-ranking chief, somebody from underneath them is going to move up into that slot. Each character kind of has alliances with other ones, so depending on how you take them out in what order, it kind of shifts the balance of power in one way or another. Mm-hmm. So you're, you can sort of form these loose alliances with different ones, which is kind of weird, because you're a man and they're not. But, um, but it's, it's really intricate. And the really cool thing, and it took me a while to kind of get that this was going on, was these sort of uh, intrigue and the battles that are going on, they will go on whether or not... You're a part of their world. So there's a function in the game that says uh, advanced time, kind of like you would in, I think, the Elder Scrolls did that, where you're mm-hmm. like, I want to move yeah. ahead 24 hours or 12 hours or whatever. Because if um, it's dark, I can go to Yeah, maybe I want to go. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> well, you can advance time in this game, and what happens is there these things will happen all over the world. Well, there'll be something that's called uh, a trial, where basically a bunch of the enemies will decide to sort of challenge one of the other enemies. There'll be a duel where two of the leaders decide to battle each other to figure out who's supreme so they can take over this place in the hierarchy or there, you know, there may be like an assassination attempt. And if you're not a part of those things, you can pull out to sort of the chessboard and it'll, it'll play that stuff out. Like a little red line will connect one to another. It'll zoom in on the two characters, kind of like it's a fighting game, but uh-huh. they're not actually fighting. And then one will kind of like, ah, strike the other one down. Their name will be cross off in red and someone else moves in to take their place. So the idea is you're trying to like figure out how to move up through the ladder in either the most efficient way or just to sort of figure out, you know, who you want to kill because not only are you weirdly immortal, so if you get struck down by an enemy, you know, you come back because it's a video game, but there's actually, like, sort of a, within the story, there's a reason for it. It's because you're possessed by this wraith, so you can't be killed. But 
any character in the game, not just these named characters, but any character in the game that kills you gets promoted to a higher rank in the hierarchy. So if it's just some nameless grunt who happens to kill you because you were low on life and not mm-hmm. paying attention, he'll sort of stand over your dying body, like, I'm going to get a promotion for this. And then as the load <laughs> screen's happening... He'll, he'll, he'll pop up and be like, oh, this guy in his name, like, Gorb the Horrible. And now he, like, has all this cool armor, and he's a, he's a captain now. <laughs> and every enemy in the game has a rank, too. And as they progress in either defeating each other or beating you, their rank goes up. Which means that they're going to be harder to kill the next time you face them. Okay. So there's a lot of stuff kind of okay. going on here. So what happens is... The more you face these characters, it's really in your best interest to defeat them because if they either kill you or get away from you, they rank up. up. So it makes them harder and harder to kill. Now, one of the other things you can do in the game is instead of killing the bad guys, you can interrogate the bad guys. And when you interrogate them, they'll give you intel on all of the other leaders in the game. So I can say, like, all right, I'm going to sort of put this weird ghost hand over your head, and it's really kind of creepy and disturbing. This game is super violent. Um, and a lot of people have said <laughs> it's weirdly racist towards orcs. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Like, it, I mean, it's... I don't think there's any orc sympathists in the audience, but, like, I mean, it's... it's You're a, you're a vicious murderer. Like, more okay. than any other game I've played. Like, I think you just... You're all... You are doing horrible things in this game. Um, but, uh, but they're beautifully rendered. It looks really nice on the new system. So if you get intel, you can say, well, I want to know about this particular war chief. And now you'll, see, you'll have a list of what their strengths and weaknesses are. So they might be impervious to ranged attacks. So don't try to shoot arrows at them. It won't do anything. Mm-hmm. But you know, stealth attacks are really strong against them. Uh, or they're terrified of wargs. So if you find one chained up somewhere and you can release it, it'll make that enemy vulnerable, then maybe you could sneak up and kill him. Um, oh, wow. So, and, but it's really tricky, because if you haven't gained intel on one of these leaders that you're trying to take down, you're kind of just guessing. You're like, well, can I, can I spear you? No, okay, I can't. Oh, I'm going to do, do a stealth attack. Oh, no, you're impervious to stealth attack. So it really is kind of in your interest to gain as much intel as you can. Um, the additional layer on top of that is that um, not only can you choose to kill or to, you know, get information out of other enemies, and you usually just kill them right after that, (laughs) after you get info from them, is uh, you eventually uh, unlock uh, part of a skill tree, because there's tons of upgrade systems. This is a total RPG. Um, Is uh, you have the ability to brand them, which means that you interrogate them, you gain intel, and now they're basically your slaves. So they've got, like, creepy glowing blue eyes, this glowing blue mist above their head that's basically, like, you have the ability at any time to call upon them to aid you in this fight. Because there are these orc sort of encampments that are all over the map, and that's usually where, like, the higher-ranking guys are that you want to go after to kill. Right. But there's hundreds of bad guys, so you you can't just run in there and try to kill them. You can get swamped in this game very easily. And just like an Arkham game, you know, it's not all hand-to-hand combat. If you're surrounded by archers, there's very little you can do to kind of, you know, fight off guys while you're just being picked off. You're going to die. And then everybody who was involved in that fight all ranks up, so it makes it harder to do the next time. But if you play your cards right, you can stealth around the map, figure out, you know, where the snipers are, figure out where the... uh, Every chief has, like, bodyguards. You can figure out where they are. And if you can brand them... 
and, you know, turn them to your side. You know, they basically stay in their little, like, patterns of, you know, whatever, observing what's going on. They don't necessarily just follow right behind you. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, when you're in the heat of battle, you can sort of call upon this ability where you summon all of these bad guys, and they all come running to your aid. It's pretty awesome. Um, The highest upgrade you can have for that is... uh, you have a choice where you can either summon them to help you, or with a single push of the button, you can execute every single character in the game that you've, like, turned to your side. Oh, so dear. they all start to start shaking, ah, and their heads explode. And now, <laughs> so now you've, like, wiped out the map. It's pretty crazy. There's some pretty funny videos on YouTube of people who've gone through and uh, branded every single, like, main enemy in the game and then all of this, like, executed all of them at once because whenever a, a named character dies on that sort of chess map, there's this animation of them going, Ugh! and, like, falling over. And in those videos, it's like, that happens, like, 40 times in a row. And it's just ridiculous. <laughs> it's like, died, 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 died. Um... But, I mean, part of the game is, you know, you have specific objectives against specific enemies, so you, you, you can play in lots of different ways, but some things you're kind of forced to do things one way or another. And then there's giant beasts that you can ride on, and there's a thousand artifacts you can find. So like an Assassin's right. Creed game, if you want to make this a hundred-hour game and, you know, quote-unquote collect all the feathers, there's that kind of thing there. You can collect these sort of sigils that create these messages and... In some games, I'm really into that sort of stuff. This game, I really just wanted to kind of power through it. And um, and there's part of the ending that I do want to talk about, because I don't think the ending was all that special, and the final battle is meh. But, um, but the game is great, so it's definitely worth playing. But it, and, and I want to say this, because this is the way the game played out for me, and I don't know that's how it plays out for everybody. Uh-huh. So uh, Mike is has this game right now, and he's probably playing with it if he can be bothered to put down Dragon Age. And uh, hopefully Jared will get it right after that. And I really oh, yeah. want to know what happens for you guys because the in the final moments of the game where you're kind of like storming the gate for the, with, with your orc army that you've collected behind you, mm-hmm. uh, in order to sort of gain access to that area, you're met with an army. And <laughs> this is silly because... Uh, what happens is, since these enemies can since sort of chase you throughout the game, and you kill them, they kill you. Sometimes when you kill the named enemies, they can come back. So you're like, oh, I bet you thought you killed me, but you just injured me. And so they remember all the stuff, the interactions you had with them. Mm-hmm. And they might have just like a big metal plate over their head where you thought you stabbed them in the brain, but they're still alive. <laughs> so they'll come back, and they're stronger, and you're stronger. But, um, but what happened for me was there was this one character whose name was Bagaboog. They have to come up with a lot of ridiculous names for these guys. <laughs> there is an enemy named Douche in the game. And awesome. that's just and it's funny as any time a named enemy comes up, there's like chanting in the background of their name. So like and they do this sort of slow walk across the screen. And it's meant to be like really epic and awesome. So it's like bogaboo, bogaboo. But when it's just douche, like it's a little ridiculous. They, they had to have known they were doing that when they made that game. So anyhow, this jerk, this bogaboo character. I, he just kept killing me. And sometimes it's because like he would kill me and I'd be like, I'm going to find this guy again. So you can look at the map screen and be like, there he is. I'm going to go fast travel over there. 
Oh, okay, well, he killed me again, so he keeps ranking up. Mm-hmm. This guy level capped. Like, he went to, like, level 20 or whatever the cap was, and he couldn't rank any higher. So he essentially was unkillable. Because, like, sometimes I would be engaged in a battle with, like, two other leaders, and all of a sudden, like, this big axe comes from behind and chops my head off, and there he was the whole time, like, I'm back! (laughs) Oh my god, I hate this guy! So, to wrap that up, he was basically, like, the final mini-boss for the game. So, like, I'm trying to get to the end of the game, and all of a sudden I'm faced with this army, and that jerk is the guy who's at the head of the army. So, I don't think that there was anything about that character that made him important that way. I think it just happens to be that as I was figuring out the mechanics of the game, and as I was learning how to play, I just happened to be really bad at it, and this one character kept killing me. The more he killed me, the more likely he was to kill me again. So, Mm -hmm. he just kept ranking up. So, I, I think it's a mechanic of the game that whoever you're... And that's why it's called the Nemesis System, because you kind of end up forming your own stories with these individual characters that you interacted with. So, like, there was one guy who just would die over and over again, and, like, but he would keep showing up again. So, like, it was this very, like, merely a flesh wound sort of thing because he would keep coming back more and more messed up, like, limbs missing, like, bandages over his eyes. And I kind of felt sorry for the guy because he just, he couldn't beat me, but he just wouldn't die. But then at the other, at the same time, there was this other guy, Bugaboo, I'll never forget his name, uh, who just, he was, like, he was my nemesis in the game. And I think it could be any character that would be that for you. So I just thought that that was, like, as I'm thinking about this, I'm getting really excited and I want to play it again because it was really, really fun. Um, But yeah, and I I don't know if it's just about, I mean, there were, we felt like overall the year was kind of weird for games, but there were several really big games. So Mm -hmm. when, when you're going up against stuff like Destiny and you're going up against a new Dragon Age title, I think this can be something that can be, you know, kind of swept aside by some people, but... Definitely, definitely, definitely something that I, I think is is worth playing. I mean, it, I was doing this debating thing even when we were saying what our favorite game of the year was because that was definitely a contender. I mean, yeah. it's 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 super fun. Like, I, I think if you like that lore at all, if you like big action games, or if, I mean, if you like the Arkham, I mean, there are so many hooks that people could have into this game that, uh, yeah, it's just something that, you know, I don't think a lot of people missed out on because it was definitely something that was a game that kept coming up for people mm-hmm. talking about best experiences of 2014, but but not probably top of the list for a lot of people. So, But I think it maybe should be. So, I don't know. Does that make sense, the way I explain yeah, that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I feel like I'd have to experience it to get deeper in it, but that that's this is the first time I feel like I have any understanding of the Nemesis. Yeah, every time when I read about it, or the times I, Mike would try to explain it to us, I kind of just didn't understand. Yeah. Like, it didn't make any sense to Well, me. my feeling as I explained it, when, whenever they say everything has a story, everything has a name, my first thought was, they're full of it. Like, right. this, this is not going to pan out the way that they're saying. And this makes a little more sense now. It's like, no, their story is tiny and not really important. But, sure. But through your gameplay... Some emerged as important, right? Right. right. So it would, we would consider that, yeah, it, this is like a deep emergent gameplay system, basically, right? right? Yeah, and this there was is, there was some, that's 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 cool. Yeah, there were some cool articles that were written uh, after the game came out. Like Ken Levine from Irrational Games, who made the Bioshock games, and, and who was the other? There was another games writer, and or it might have been in, like Randy Pitchford from Gearbox wrote these sort of big open letters that like they had experienced this game and were just 
blown away by the implications for what it meant for what games could be. Yeah. And that was what was exciting for me about this was that it it was the first time I'm like, hey, I've never played anything like this. And I think this was the kind of thing that really wasn't possible before. Because you think about it from like a computational standpoint, all those variables that have to be kind of working together for all that to make sense of all these like characters having interrelated uh. relationships. And not story like on the level of like, you know, a Bioware game story, but like like you said, a personal story. And uh, maybe that's why that system does not exist in the old hardware versions of the game. Um, the other thing I want to mention really quickly that I thought was super cool that I don't think we've really touched on was the way that um, the PlayStation controller interacted with this game. Mm. Because, um, you know, the controller itself has a speaker in it. Right. And it has the light bar. And the light bar tends to do some different... Well, number one, it's just annoying because it makes a reflection on your screen. And I hate it, and I wish I could turn it off. But you can't. So, but, um, but, it, but it does, in some games, give you kind of an indication of, I don't know, if you're going in the right direction or if your health... You know, I think in this game, if you, when you start to get close to dying and sort of the screen tints red like it was you know, Gears of War or any mm-hmm. game, I guess, now at this point, um, you know, I think the light bar kind of goes from blue to red. So that's eh, kind of cool, but I don't... I don't tilt the controller towards me to look at what's going on behind my index fingers. Um, but the um, the speaker is really, really cool because anytime you go into stealth in this game, uh, there's never any question about what stealth is. There's bushes all over the place, and as long as you duck into a bush, you're in full stealth. So you know you can be right up against an enemy, and as long as you're in the bushes, they can't see you. Okay. Um, anytime you're moving through the bushes, there's a rustling leaves sound that comes through the controller. And that's just kind of cool. Right. Like that's the, no nothing anything too special, but that's kind of neat. Um, but the other thing that I thought was really cool was during loading screens for this game, which there's a fair amount of, but not a ton. Um, there's backstory about your character Talion and his relationship with his wife and with his son that are played through just the speaker on the controller. So if you're, you know, it'll have like an image, maybe just like a picture of your face and some little factoid at the bottom of the screen that you might see in like uh, the Elder Scrolls games. You know, it's just like, visit vendors to blah, 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 blah. You know, it's just something they just recycle every time there's a loading screen. But every single time a loading screen happens as you progress through the game, something different would happen through the speaker. So maybe it's it's your wife singing like, one of the old songs of men to you. Or it's it's you sparring with your son as you're teaching him how to fight with a sword. Um, also, whenever you engage one of those captains, one of those named enemies in the game, there's this brief sort of cutscene that is separate from when you fight anybody else, when you first sort of engage them, whether to block their blow or to strike them, where you lock weapons and then it shows their name on the screen, and they say some snarky comment to you. That weapons <laughs> clash sound always comes through the speaker on the on the controller. So it's just a neat thing, and it's mm-hmm. one of those things that's like you know, it's it's cool whenever I hear about like the the fun connect stuff that would be on a Microsoft version of a game that you wouldn't get on PlayStation. And so this is some stuff that you're just going to see on the PlayStation screen. So um, GTA did a lot of stuff with that too, but so far I think this is the coolest way that I've seen that implemented. So it's one of those things, like we're always excited to see new things that people do with games, and this was a new thing I hadn't seen before. So another reason to pick it up or to borrow it from me if you know me. So Yeah. Well, that's (laughs) cool, man. That sounds... I I was really interested in this game because, you know, this is a, a, a franchise, you know, Lord of the Rings, that I adore... It might and be playing in the other room. Yeah, right it is. Now, it's as we're recording, we this. threw it on just for fun, and um, not because of this, just 
because that's one of yeah. the things I just put on. Totally unrelated. Like, if I'm going to clean the house, I throw it on. Anyway. Um, so, that's exciting for me. But I want to ask you, do you know, have they said, is this considered canon? Yeah, and I, I think that it could be, and I think that it is. But I don't know, it's that weird thing about, like, why doesn't it have the Lord of the Rings name on it? There are some strange rights issues with the Tolkien estate, and the, I think it's like the Saul Zantz company owns the movie rights that New Line used to make it. So it, I, I think that, I think that it is. I want to say yes. Like, kind of the way, like, the Transformers games were officially written into Hasbro's canon about, mm-hmm. you know, how that works. I'm pretty sure that it is. And I don't think that, I think it's just one of those things where they take a, you know, the, the, there was the Lord of the Rings War of the North game that mm-hmm. was made to be, like, an action RPG. And I missed out on that game. That's one I'll have to go back to and play, too. And it was like, there was a line in one of the books that's like, and then there was a war in the north. And so they're like, alright, we'll take that, and then blew it up in the whole game. <laughs> right. I think it was one of those things, where it, like, right. I don't know that the characters that were in this were ever characters that were in the fiction, but it's all stuff that kind of fits pretty seamlessly. Uh-huh. And, you know, and it doesn't have that, that cheesy sort of Star Wars prequel thing to, uh, you know, like, where you're kind of like, you make a comment about, like, oh, I feel that might be kind of important. Mm-hmm. Although I think at one point a character does say, like, you know, you make some comment about wanting to kill Gollum, and somebody says, like, oh, I feel he yet still has a role to play in this right. world. Or something like that. And you're like, yeah, I pretty much know how that's going to play out. But but it does, yeah, I think it fits seamlessly. I'd have to check for sure, but I, I think it is, I think it is canon. Well, that's cool. So, Well, that's cool. That's always exciting when you can have... You know, it is. It sounds like a good fit in either way. Maybe it's not that important, but you know, when you have a lore that's so rich to add to it, that's pretty awesome. Right. That's pretty great. So, all right. Well, cool. I'm definitely gonna try. Yeah, I think as soon as Mike's done with that, I'm gonna make him give that to me. <laughs> that's really cool. Um, so, all right. So, I have one more thing to uh, talk about tonight. Um, is that Destiny came out with its first expansion, which was the Dark Below. Mm-hmm. And um, I know Mike and I have got to play this, and Chris, I don't think you've got. I haven't downloaded it yet. yet. Nope. And um, I've liked it a lot. I mean, for me, it's just adding some more stuff to do in Destiny is cool. So a lot of things were added. Um, most of them are little things, but a lot of them are across the board. So one of the things that was added was the the soft level cap was increased from 30 to 32, Okay. Um, to reach 32, though, you still need to do the uh, the raids and get grade gear. You're not going to hit there without it. Um, so the same way, you couldn't get to 30, 30 bef- with, okay. without so, the raid earlier. Right. Yes. Although, as I understand it, the early raid, Bolt of Glass, will get you upgraded stuff, too. So you can get to 32 through Bolt of Glass, I oh, think. okay. Um, but um, they had a new whole mission line, several new missions, which were really fun at a higher level than many of them. And... Um, New strikes and a new raid. And you got all these from a new quest giver named Eris. And Eris was from this group of guardians that went deep into the moon, into the Hellmouth, which is actually a place you'd be familiar with on the moon if you play this game, Mm -hmm. and went to go kill this god... He's referred to as by the hive, He's like the hive god, um, named a- a god. Cro- named Crota, which has been made reference to in the it's, game already. You destroy his sword uh-huh. in one of the missions early on, and um, all the other guardians with her died. She escaped into the hive tunnels and was stuck down there for a long time, and has r- finally escaped and comes back to the tower. So she's really 
got a lot of information about the hive and, and, and ways to try and defeat them. And so he sets you on this quest line kind of in large part against them. And, and you go through the stories and the strikes and that's all part of the story. And then she gives you this, when you're done with those, this separate series of, of kind of challenges and quests that you have to do where you go through and you get this urn from Xur and you have to like do all these things to fill it. Hmm. You have to get, and, and some of those go through the quest line as well. And, and um and it, and it's interesting and if you complete them you get this amazing fusion rifle named Murmur which I'm just obsessed with fusion rifles now and it, but the, one of the coolest things about that is something I hope we'll see a little more of which you can um, switch it from solar to arc damage oh but when you switch it the the stats change a little too okay so it plays a little differently. But it's just one gun that doubles up for you a bit. And then do really you need nice. to upgrade those independently? Nope. Or it just upgrades nope, differently? Nope, you upgrade okay. the gun, but when you want to switch it, it just goes... You see a couple stats change a little bit, and then right. it's just a different kind of damage. Huh. That's cool. I want to see some more of that. Um, additionally, there was a higher level of gear given across the board. So if you have... They didn't want you to get like screwed for having spent a lot of time on exotics already. So one of the things that happens is that Zur every week has a bunch of... Exotics that you see at the bottom that you can upgrade with a new crafting item called an exotic shard, which you can buy from Xur or get from breaking down exotics. And what that'll do is it'll upgrade it to the DLC level of a piece of equipment. Right. So often they're higher defense or attack. Um, they can get to, and with the defensive items, higher light levels. The thing, though, is that you have to re-level them. It goes back to level zero, like zero experience on that. Item. Now, that's kind of fine, though, because the weapons, even at level zero, do more damage. But because the exotic weapons, what's so important about them is the special features, that can be hurtful, too, to your weapon, because you have to build back up to those. Oh, right. So if it has, like, increased stability against... Blah, blah, yeah, no, right, all that right. stuff kind of resets. That all resets. Ugh. So you got to go through leveling it again. But the exotics are leveling faster now. At least the armor pieces are leveling mm. faster, it seems. Um, because now... Uh, leveling those, you only need one exotic shard at the end. You don't need any more ascended materials. That's the only oh. item you need to, to level exotic items now. So it's only legendary items that, that need ascended, ascended materials. materials. Okay. And I think they did that because you just need so many ascended materials yeah. in this game. You need a huge amount. Um, so the kind of the level of everything got raised. And, and I, I have replaced some of my armor pieces because of that. And hmm. um, I did an exotic bounty during this time. And actually now the exotic bounties, if you do them, you get immediately, you get the higher, uh, the DLC version of that weapon. So you don't have to upgrade oh, okay. it. You get it right away. So only things you have to upgrade are things that you did pre-DLC patch. Um, so they, they're not going to make you rework everything quite as much. Um, and uh, so there's we upgrade weapons. Um, they also upgraded some of the difficulty levels on, like, the daily uh, heroic story, the um, weekly strikes, and the nightfall. Um, most of the time we're now level 30. Right, yeah, I noticed that um, change because <laughs> I was expecting and, that. For the strikes, well, not the not the story. The story, I think, is level twenty four okay. now, which is still higher. I usually play out in twenty six or thirty anyway, yeah, um, to get the more ascendant materials. But uh, so they did up the difficulty in in some of the grindy extra stuff in there anyway, um, as well. So it's it's a lot of it's it's a lot of stuff, and it's kind of not a lot of stuff, you know. I mean. In large part, 
It didn't feel like a huge increase in content, but it gave me a lot of new stuff to do because Eris is also, besides a quest giver, she has reputation. And you're up to reputation with her to get many things. Um, a lot of them are shaders and class items and things like that. But there are a few things that you get from her that are important, which are crafting items, because there are hive-specific weapons. Like Murmur I got is the only one I have, and I think there's some more you can get from the raid, that you need um, crafting items that you can only buy from her once you get to a certain level. Hmm. Level 3, and I think 5 for the other one. And so she has daily quests that she gives out as well. And often they're hive-related, but she gives out daily quests. And one of the things that's unique about her quests is one of them every day is class-specific. So it'll be like, um, kill five wizards with a shoulder charge. Well, only, you know, um... Was that a Titan? Defender class? Maybe it's just Titan in general. Have shoulder charge. So I can't do that one that day. Right. You know, I've gotten one that's killed 25 hive with Axiom Bolt. That's one of the specific grenade mod for one of the specific classes of the Warlock. Hmm. Um, so they have those in there, and so you can build up Rep Slow with her. And I'm getting through it some, but... It's a little slow going. Hmm. I, I wish there were more ways to level because you have to get up to like a thousand, two thousand, and you get these seventy-five Ugh. to a hundred reps <laughs> at a time. You can't do more than five a day. Most days you can only do four, and a lot of them are not necessarily super easy to do. So it's pretty slow going for me. I'm sure there's a bunch of people who have leveled her rep out of the ceiling, but I haven't yet. So it gave you. Um, the new stuff it gave you was really fun. I like the new missions. The new strikes were really fun. I haven't touched the raid yet. We still haven't invented glass yet. It's just it's such a huge investment of time. You know? But we did make another achievement. No, we did. We did. We did our nightfall strike. <laughs> for us, it's probably way behind the curve, but we were really excited. Yeah, we did. We did a nightfall finally, and a, and a level thirty nightfall. Too, yeah, at a higher level. So and only two of the three of us were that. Level. Uh, <laughs> I was a level. Yeah, you were twenty eight, and Chris and, and Mike. Mike got thirty that day. That's right. Yeah, right like, before like we started. Twenty minutes before we got yeah. online. Um, but uh, and I had just gotten thirty earlier that week. So. Um, so yeah, so we're still. I'm still playing Destiny. I'm still liking it. I'm moving away from it for a little bit and playing some other stuff. I think um, I'll play a little here and there, but I think I'm gonna, you know, um, what's the Den of Wolves? I think is the next one. Den of Wolves. Something like the House of Wolves. House of Wolves. That sounds more right. Um, that's not a thing. That sounds right. Uh, so, um, which I think they just said would be out before. They gave a weird time frame, like between March and August or something. Yeah, it's something like two months, but I think it'll be out before the beginning of June, I think, or before the end of June. Um, So I'm sure I'm going to be getting in a lot more Destiny then, but I'm taking a. a, a, I've been playing this for a while. This came out a little bit ago, so I've gotten through a large amount of this content that I'm going to get through, so I'm probably taking a little Destiny hiatus, but um, a nice addition. A nice addition. I'm hoping from a lot from House of Wolves, though. Because especially considering that I paid a, a fair amount for this DLC and full price for the game, too. We're talking about a $90 game here almost now, $85 game. Um, you know, there was a bit of a disappointment about the amount of content at launch. For this not being huge, House of Wolves is looking like it'll be the same size. So there's a little... Yeah, it's not like a, not like a WoW expansion that could change like a lot of how yeah, the game works. Yeah, and that's fine, you know, but like, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I've gotten a lot of gameplay out of the game, so you can argue there's not a lot of content, but I've played it a ton. But I would like a little more content, a little more variation. So what I'm hoping for, with a game that has 
claiming to do a 10-year cycle is that I paid for these DLCs, I'm going to get these two expansions, and the next thing they come out with, I'm hoping, will be something free. That would be nice. And, they expand, and they've talked about doing free expansions, and that, I think, would be really smart for them in a goodwill way to yeah. get people playing, because if you give out a free one, maybe then you can ask me to pay again after that. I right, don't know. right. But I, I, I'm looking for a little more content in this game, I think, but as that continues to increase, like with this, there's less, I mean, there's a little less regularity, you know, I see less of the same missions over and over in the daily story and in the strikes and stuff. I mean, most of those strikes I have down path, you know, like <laughs> if I get ready to load up, like I'm like, all right, I know I'm going to see a lot of a lot of Vex, so I probably want to bring, you know, something like it, like arc damage because they're vulnerable to arc, you know. And um, I know there's this long spot. Like when we were doing it, like Mike and I, we brought our sniper rifles because we knew there's this great spot to snipe from this ledge when we were fighting the Vex mm-hmm. and that early part of that uh, nightfall and like, you know, and there's something that's fun about that. There's something that's fun about... Especially when you're going to do it at the level of difficulty of a Nightfall, where if you ever die as a group, yeah, you're completely you start over. all the way over. That could be brutal at level 30 difficulty. But um, there's something cool about that, but there's something cool about the exploration of these new ones, too. And some of these strikes were hard. Mm. Some of them were, 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 were pretty hard. Um, but a lot of fun. Well, it's cool, and, and so far I've been impressed with it. You know, I'm still playing the game fairly regularly, not mm-hmm. as much as probably you guys, but um, it's it's cool to see that on the whole, I don't feel like I'm really locked out of a lot. Like every now and again, I think the first week after the expansion came out, the weekly strike was a DLC mission, so I, I was locked out of that. And I, there was some hubbub on the internet about that, but I th- but I think that's fair because if you're expanding the scope of the game. Then, I, then take full advantage of the new scope of the game. Like, I'm right. not going to complain about that if it really meant that much to me. I'll download the DLC. And one of the, one of the reasons I can say that I think I didn't get it was, number one, I'm a little hesitant to, to sink too much time into any one title, I say, having just spent, like, 60 hours playing GTA. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, but I, I didn't have a really good understanding of the way that things had changed when the the update happened, so yeah. now now that you've explained this stuff, I kind of like oh okay, because I one of my friends at work tried to explain the whole thing about the weapons upgrading, what you do and don't need to do, and it just it was totally totally over my head. Yeah, I was just like I just don't really know, but now now it's kind of broken down. It kind of makes sense. So it seems like on the whole, as these changes keep happening, I think they're they're continuing to address the major criticisms that the people have had, and, and it seems like things are. Even if by a little bit, things are continuing to be kind of streamlined and yeah. made a little bit easier to do, or at, le- at least a little more sensible to do, to where, you know, some things were just ridiculous, and now you're like, okay, it's a little more achievable. Like, I can I can buy upgrade materials now that I couldn't have bought before. That's kind of nice if I just have a lot of money I'm not using, and that might help get me a couple other, you know, light levels. Like, right. every now and again. I can't fully upgrade my character that way, because that would be dumb, but, like... Yeah, I also don't want to have to grind for 400 hours if that's what it's going to take. Uh-huh. So it seems yeah. like things are continuing to move in the right direction. Yeah, and you, and you can take advantage of a lot of those things. I mean, what you can Yeah, you, you, you explained that. that to me about my weapons. I'm like, why do uh, my you, weapons have this little asterisk on them? Yeah, because they're DLC. DLC and, you can, and you can still get those. You can still upgrade your items. And then, oh, there are a couple other small tweaks, too. Um, your um, stuff with the Cryptarch, you get experience slower from him now. Oh, so, so it doesn't go to, yeah, 
Yeah, that um, was a little fast and silly. And uh, so you don't get any of those packages. And then the other thing they did, which you have access to, you asked us about this the other night, is that now when you level up with your factions, you get what's called a commendation, and you need a commendation to buy legendary items. So if you get a Vanguard commendation, you can use that to buy legendary items from the Vanguard Quartermaster. And it's the new higher-level legendary stuff. And everything they sell now is higher-level. Okay, right, right. Um, Now, I think there's an exception to that. I think there's a few things you can buy from just Mark still. Like, I think the boots as armor pieces, mm-hmm. maybe, are still that way, but the chest pieces and the helmets, like, the accommodation. So what the keeps people from doing is, is, is easily farming um, legendaries to just break down for Ascendant materials. Right. I don't know. If people are playing your game that much, I don't see why that's a big problem, but... Um, you know, I mean, I actually got one Vanguard accommodation, and I'm just sitting on it, because I don't really need anything right now, and mm-hmm. I'm like, well, you know what? House of Wolves is going to come out, and some new stuff's probably going to come out, and then I can just right away just go, choo-choo! So, and then, it, okay, so if you were to trade that in for an item, is that something... Do you get one of those now for every new Vanguard level? Every new Vanguard level. And that level. is not a fast process. That is a it very is slow process. <laughs> so I think you want to be careful with them. And, and, and not just Vanguard, again, um, the, the Crucible... There is also crucible, crucible commendations oh, okay. that you can get for buying the crucible items mm. that are separate. Right. Like, it's like the marks are separate. So and every time you level up with that. And then Mike told me that he said when you level up with the separate factions like mm. Future, Future War, War Cult, um, Dead Orbit, those guys, that you get a um, crucible commendation for that. Oh, so you could get crucible commendations without having to play multiplayer. You could, but you can't get any crucible marks, so you won't be able to buy anything. Oh, yeah, good point. So, right. it seems kind of silly. <laughs> um, it seems kind of silly, but um, now he said that that's what they got. I don't know, maybe you might get one or the other, who knows, when you get that package, but he seems to think that that's what you're going to get. So, huh. um, so that's a little tweak to, I don't know, I don't think it really going to slow you down that much, because it does take a fair amount of time to get marks, and if you play enough to get marks... Probably close to leveling anyway, but right. I know, pretty interesting. So a lot of little tweaks, a lot of little things, um, some more content, more Destiny. Huh. Not a bad thing. Yeah, so pretty cool. So all right, so those are our games for tonight. We'll we'll uh, we'll we'll leave it at that. Hopefully, we're gonna see Mike back with us next episode. Good luck um, with your car. I know, fix your car, man. Come on. <laughs> and this is clearly more important than your vehicle. Um, so, um, as, as always, you know, uh, we want to hear from you guys, you know, if you, uh, play these games or have any ideas of these games or have things we should play. And obviously we've shown that we will play everything, you know, the the gamut of this old, new, you know, we love it. We, we, we just, we want to play games. We accept all kinds. So let us know if there's, maybe there's an old game or a game you thought we missed, like Brutal Legend. You're like, yeah, you guys didn't play, you got plays. Um, whatever we want, you know, uh, we got a lot of ways to hit us up and you, you know, Twitter and Facebook and email accounts and everything and use gamers website, use gamers, um, Twitter, use gamers at Facebook. Facebook. It's all use gamers everywhere. Um, contact us however you want. We want to hear from you. It's going to be really great. Uh, so signing off, uh, for tonight, I'm Jared. And I'm Chris. And we are most of the used gamers, and (laughs) we'll see you guys soon. Bye! Episode 3? 0? 30. Sure. I figured if I go like this. Oh yeah, I'm going to get My last massive throat clear and drink. (laughs) (laughs) Right?